Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good morning, JP in for Patricia right through until 1. Bernie taking your calls and comments across the show on 0818103103. There's something you want to raise this morning on the programme or comment on what we're discussing. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862103103. A lot of commentary already into us. We'll get to that shortly. Also a lot of emails into us. A busy show yesterday, so we'll get to all those emails as well. But first of all, ahead this morning on the show, more on Dublin Airport as business leaders here in Cork now call for flights to be diverted to Cork Airport. This is as the Chief Executive of the DAA, Dalton Phillips, and indeed his senior management team. They will appear before the Oireachtas Transport Committee tomorrow. We're going to hear from the Cork Business Association this morning on the programme. Also, poverty rates among renters are four times higher than among homeowners after housing costs are deducted. This is new research coming in from Social Justice Ireland. And this shows how Almost one in five people in Ireland are living in poverty. And when they say living in poverty, this is once you take away the rent cost and your mortgage, once you deduct them from your monthly income, and then you look at your bills and your, your shopping and your groceries and all of that and your fuel costs. Most of us are living in poverty due to going back to the high cost of rent and indeed mortgages in this country. It's an analysis uh, by Social Justice Ireland. We'll speak with Colette Bennett from that group very shortly on the programme. And fishing organisations, will they have travelled to Brussels this week to review the common fishery policy? Now, the reason they want to review this fishery policy is to what they say is to save their industry. We'll be speaking with Patrick Murphy of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation on the programme this morning. Also, we're going to hear about an unveiling of the Professor Jerry O'Sullivan statue in Cora this Sunday. Professor O'Sullivan, he was the founder of Cork Cancer Research and indeed Breakthrough Cancer Research. We'll hear about that and what is planned for Sunday. And would you consider yourself a person who worries a lot? Well, if you do, stay tuned. After 12.30, Joe Heffernan, our regular counsellor on the show, will be joining us to discuss this and 
It's continuing on from what we were discussing last last week on the show, uh, but this week we're going to feature more so how worrying can affect your body and the impact it has on your health. If you were a constant worrier, uh, that and more on the programme between now and one. Your views are welcome. 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Also, if you're a fan of Elton John, I would stay listening to the radio between now and one, especially this morning. Uh, you could be heading off to see him and not once but twice in Anfield in Liverpool on June 17th and then Parky Cueve here in Cork on the 1st of July you just have to listen out for two Elton John hits played together that could happen any stage between now and one experience Elton John twice with the Blackpool Shopping District no gimmicks no notions no paid parking just shopping it's what they do best only on C103 more details shortly on that but just going back to the story that dominated news yesterday and indeed it is again this morning and also a lot of our calls yesterday to the show were regarding Dublin Airport uh, people who have no choice but to travel to Dublin and fly out of Dublin Airport and this is many of the airlines who may have not has yet come back to Cork Airport such as Aer Lingus the full flight schedule even though they are flying out a lot of flights haven't returned other people we heard from yesterday decided to fly out of Dublin because the timing of the flight suited them better I think it was Mary one caller who said she was going to Malaga and the flight out of Cork was in the evening so you lose a day by the time you get over there it's about quarter past seven or quarter past eight so your full day is gone whereas the flights out of Dublin are in the morning and you get a full day in your holiday destination so why people would rather fly out of Cork they feel they have no choice but to go to Dublin and then we see the chaos that unfolded over the weekend there's fears now for those who were travelling this weekend for the June bank holiday weekend more numbers than last weekend are expected to arrive at Dublin airport and the question that we'll be asking later when you have that chaos then in Dublin and the other two main airports Shannon and Cork aren't as chaotic you know, something needs to be done but what is happening well it seems now finance staff and IT workers they're now stacking trays and sorting out passenger queues amid the chaos at the airport in Dublin some of the 600 office staff now have been offered triple time off to take over security staff roles as thousands of passengers continue uh, to miss their flights some of these were yesterday as well even uh, the CEO of the DEA which is operating the airport of course has joined the staff working on the floor as thousands of passengers are still being left stranded or just about making their flights and in the office staff that are going to be now working on the floor in the airport they include senior management human resources uh, finance personnel Uh, they've already started to go in and dig out uh, the staff who are working on the ground already but they need a lot more workers and some of those shifts will be starting from 3am the DAA said they are now working around the clock to solve this crisis will they be able to solve it enough though by next weekend because the the main reason here is uh, employing security staff but they have to be vetted and that's the delay that can take about six to eight weeks a lot of industry experts are saying so while there was a delay last weekend if they are employing people you won't have that turnaround over the next four days Uh, so maybe the office staff they have and the the existing staff in the airport if they all come together and it's all hands on deck at the weekend will then that alleviate the situation you would hope so but maybe not if they're going to have higher numbers this weekend as it is the uh, June holiday weekend we'll have to wait and see we'll be discussing though what can be done and even though a few months ago when the idea was pitched about diverting flights we were told no now 
is it time to look at that option and divert them to Cork and indeed to Shannon. Your views are welcome or other airports like Farham 4 or Ireland West in Knock. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And while monkeypox is being spoken about, the second case has been confirmed in Ireland. This was yesterday evening because a statement last night came from the HSC and indeed Public Health now are carrying out contact tracing for both cases identified here in the Republic of Ireland. Of course, the first case of monkeypox was confirmed here in the Republic last Friday in the east of the country, a case in Northern Ireland before that. And the HSC says the cases, well, they're not unexpected considering the presence of the virus in the UK and indeed across many European countries. And yesterday, there was a further 71 cases identified in England, bringing the confirmed UK total then to 179 as the HSC and indeed the of health look at how it is unfolding in the UK to see if it will be similar here in Ireland but no panic uh, over monkeypox as yet anyhow it is a total different situation than what we experienced over the last few years with Covid and this is something that a lot of people always bring up on the show when we speak about investment into the health service and into our public finances that we re- I suppose years ago we didn't rely as much on the big uh, multinational companies and nowadays many listeners feel we do well they're correct because it's seems now about 9 billion euros or 60% of the government's corporation tax. Well, it may be just temporary because a lot of this does come from those multinationals and Uh, This is a report from the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council. In this latest report, they're warning the government of their over-reliance on these type of companies because if they decide to pull out, I mean, we're relying on their tax receipts, but if they decide to pull out of Ireland, then the investment that goes into public funding from their tax receipts disappears. And it seems that we are already investing money from those tax receipts into our health service. So overnight, if that just, if a company, a big multinational decides to leave Ireland, Uh, the government are going to be down money and they're suggesting that the government now should go and get ready for a rainy day fund which I think they have one already they mentioned that and they know they have uh, money that they've put away after Covid as well but is that enough to keep the state running Uh, the fear is if these companies go again uh, can we run a a country just in our domestic economy and not from what is coming in tax wise from the multinationals anyhow that report from the Fiscal uh, Council and it's interesting that a lot of people have been saying that but now as we are investing that money into health if those companies go I mean, our health service isn't exactly fantastic as it is. Uh, So that's something to watch out for over the next while. And as we'll be discussing shortly about poverty rates, it's interesting that the number of smokers in lower socioeconomic groups is three times higher compared to those who are more well off. This is the latest figures that are out and they show that 18% of the general population are smokers but 31% of people in the lowest socio-economic groups are smokers compared to 11% of the most well-off groups and while the HSC is investing money into the quit smoking programmes they run uh, they say that more progress has been made in more well-off groups than the lower socio-economic groups and that's interesting from people who I suppose would have uh, less money to spend that they continue to smoke uh, 
uh, with the addiction and farmers will be interested in this one you might remember a good few months ago on the show I spoke with the Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnellogue and we were posing to him about the plan to reduce or indeed cut totally the herd size here in this country and he was saying no that it won't happen well uh, while a lot of farmers were up in arms and many didn't believe him when he said that uh, and I suppose the way he said it wasn't very believable at the time either it seems now the European Commission has come out on this and they say there is no intention of forcing Irish farmers to reduce their herd size this is from the Agricultural Commission yesterday of the EU and the EU says they recognise the benefits of Irish grass-based model for the environment and indeed for animal welfare and also the resilience of the bloc's food production. Uh, this was told to the IFA yesterday at a National Council uh, meeting. Bush, outside of that, they have acknowledged that large intensive farms in Europe would have to reduce emissions under the Industrial Emissions Directive. But also they said that this would affect only about 7% of Irish farms and they also went on to say that they're hoping that more can be done in Irish farming when it comes to uh, land habitat and improving forestry and organic sectors which many farmers are, are welcoming and said they will work with them on that. I think the, the big anger was the fact that they were coming out and saying you're going to have to cut your herd size uh, and there was no kind of acknowledgement or no uh, discussion on it but now it seems that's not going to happen. The EU have no intention of forcing any farmer uh, to reduce their herd size. They're obviously looking at emissions and they say emissions from the livestock sector is another obvious problem uh, but they haven't said how they will deal with that exactly yet but no change anyhow and to cutting the herd size so I'm sure farmers will be uh, happy with that news coming from the EU yesterday evening our lines are open 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today with you until 1 I have a lot of emails to get through and I will get through them across the show but one of them I want to bring is from Sheila Sheila lives in the Moore area and she does her shopping and her business she says in Donrill and Sheila says you may be aware that works are going to start today on the main street in Donrill and the works are to widen the pavement so the footpaths will be wider but then with this they're going to make the streets more narrow and they're also going to take away valuable parking spaces in the town and the one thing is that the streetscape in Donrill this was designed in 1728 and it has great historic value so I would like to know what people make of this. I'm aware this has happened in other towns where they have made the footpaths bigger. Uh, this has impacted on traffic, especially for trucks trying to go around tight corners. And also they have removed parking spaces with green areas. It was a big issue in Formoy last year. Uh, Sheila is worried now that the same will happen in Donrell. And in the end, they could force people to go elsewhere and shop in other locations if they can't get parking in Donrell or indeed uh, if they're going to widen footpaths and it's going to impact on the traffic um, one of the reasons uh, Sheila notes is for traffic calming but Sheila says she's never seen any problems in Donorell with the speed uh, when it comes to traffic and how your views on that if you're living in that area uh, works are due to begin today it seems uh, we will check in on that and see if someone will chat to us on indeed what will happen or what is going to happen there but I know other towns have been affected by this and Sheila's point in her email 
it makes sense the fact that we've heard from truck drivers who were trying to go around corners in towns and now they've widened the footpath so it was tough enough to get around a certain street corner in a narrow street in a town and now they're finding it nearby impossible because the footpath is out where the road used to be and many say for certain towns you don't need wide footpaths because there's not that many people walking in certain areas of the town that the footpaths have been widened so your views are welcome 0818 103 103 our lines are open you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 or like Sheila you can email Cork today at c103.ie on the way that we're going to hear how so many of us are living in poverty many of us mightn't be aware of this but when you deduct your rent or indeed your mortgage you then realise what you're left with and a lot of that then must be used to pay bills and indeed the grocery shop will discuss that next with Social Justice Ireland Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Poverty rates among renters are four times higher than homeowners after housing costs are deducted. New research from Social Justice Ireland shows almost one in five people in Ireland are living in poverty once rent or mortgage interest rates are deducted. Colette Binnett, economic and social analyst with Social Justice Ireland, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Colette. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. I mean, it's hard to believe that the official poverty rate in Ireland today is at 11.6%, but that's before you take away the cost of keeping a roof over your head and you're factoring in your diesel or petrol prices, which are all still on the increase. Absolutely. So, as you say, the official kind of national poverty rate is 11.6%. So, that's 580,000 people are living below the poverty line before they've paid for anything. So, the way we calculate that is it's called 60% of the median disposable income. And if you, the way I suppose of calculating that is if you were to, to run the person on the very lowest income all the way up to the people on the very highest income and you take the person in the middle, that's your median income. So 60% of their income um, is your poverty line. And the poverty line for 2021 was €291.51. So we know immediately that anybody who's on core social welfare rates, for example, of €208 are living below the poverty line by about €83. So immediately that's an issue. Now, once we start looking at housing costs, and the CSO have been publishing this data for the last two years, um, we see that we go from 11.6% all the way up to 19%. So 950,000 people, once they've paid mortgage interest, so it's not the full cost of the, the actual mortgage payment, it's just the interest or rent, are living in poverty. They're living below that poverty threshold. It's a huge number when you think of it and many people working even are caught up in this trap whereby when they look at the end of the month after they pay out their bills and their mortgage interest rate or their rent, they can see how much goes out just on that alone before they do anything extra in their life. I mean, you mentioned there about renting. The fear here as well is your landlord. I mean, your landlord could even increase the rent at any stage or sell the house from under you. And mortgage holders, Colette, are worried at the moment because I think we all know at this stage there's going to be an increase in rates coming down the line. Yes, so there's set to be two interest rates, two interest rate hikes uh, this year alone. Um, so that is obviously going to impact on owner occupiers who have a mortgage um, and who are going to, who are already experiencing poverty. So we know, for example, one in twelve of all owner occupiers experience poverty before they've paid any mortgage interest, and that goes to just under one in ten once they've paid their mortgage interest. So we're looking at an increase in that on the mortgage side. And as you rightly say, um, it's also going to impact on renters because their landlords 
will likely see these interest hikes as well. And what are they going to do? Only most likely pass them on to their tenants. And their tenants are already in dire straits. So again, for renters, the pre-rent poverty rate is one in five. It's almost 20%. It's 19.8%. And that goes up to, once they've paid their rent, to two in five. It's 41%. And for renters who are who are basically social welfare tenants who are living in the private rented sector and getting subsidies like HAP or rent supplement or the rental accommodation scheme, their poverty rate after they've paid their rent is actually three in five. So they're in absolute dire straits and in need of, of serious support, but support like long-term social housing rather than constantly relying on a very volatile rental market. And when you mentioned there the subsidies, by what you're saying, it seems those rent subsidies aren't really making much of a difference. They're helping, but they're not improving the situation when it comes to poverty. And you'd rather see more social housing being built or affordable housing, which is happening in certain areas of the country, but not in all. I mean, in Cork, there has been a number of developments over the last while, but not fast enough. Oh, absolutely not fast enough. So while you're saying you're right, you know, they, they are giving a little bit. They're not They're not covering what is needed to provide what, rebuilding Ireland at the time called uh, a social housing solution. So there's a huge world of difference, John Paul, between making something actually affordable and increasing the affordability of something. So if I get an extra fiver a week in my wages, that will increase the affordability of my shopping by five euro. But if my, my shopping, if the actual cost of my shopping has gone up by 20 euro, it's not going to make it affordable. And if we apply that to the rental sector, the HAP subsidy, for example, hasn't been changed since 2017. There's, there's been no increase in the actual subsidy itself. So while it does increase the affordability, when we're looking at double-digit rent inflation every year, it's not making rent affordable. What we need for 60,000 households that are living in the private rented sector, but who are actually social housing tenants, we need more social housing. And as you say, you know, this government has um, put forward in their housing for all strategy that they will increase social housing, but that they'll do that by 90,000 units over the next 10 years. That's actually three quarters of what's currently needed. So it's still not going far enough, even if they get that far. And for many people over the last two to three years during the COVID period, there were so many buffers for renters. They're now gone. So while we still wait for further construction of social housing or indeed affordable housing to take place, are we going to see further decrease for those who are going to be living in a situation where you're going to see, as you mentioned, that the groceries going up, the price of petrol and diesel is going up. You have no protection as much as you would have had over the last two or three years for renting are the same for mortgages as the rates as we mentioned are going to increase. Absolutely. So we saw during the the pandemic to keep people in their homes, we saw a freeze on evictions for non-payment of rent and we saw moratoriums on mortgages and we saw all of these really proactive and really progressive policies coming into place to basically stop people being made homeless. Um, All of those, as you've rightly said, have now been lifted. So there is a real risk for renters in the private rented sector. Um, And we've seen even, you know, outside of that, the COVID support were so critical to renters. So, 
you know, without any COVID support, the, the poverty rate would have gone from 11.6% to 19.9%. So we would have had a pre-housing cost um, rate of one in five. Um, so, you know, it's been very, very critical, but renters in particular have been very reliant on COVID costs. And that is factored into the data that we have for this publication. So it will be interesting to see the impact of all of that going as well on data for 2022 and 2023 as we start to see real income. Mm, true and I know when I was reading the report you mentioned lone parents and one thing that is on the increase is childcare costs and it's no surprise Colette, that lone parents are the worst affected when we look at all various household types in this report uh, when it comes to poverty uh, because they are dealing with everything more or less on their own. Well this is it. I mean they have they go from a poverty rate of just under one in four to one out of two. Fifty one percent of people living in a lone parent household are living in poverty once housing costs have been provided or paid for. Um, and that is you know, that that's calling out for targeted measures for lone parents. And similarly, you know, and they're always a a household type that experiences high rates of poverty, but similarly those who have a disability, what's called unable to work due to long-standing illness, um, they have a very high poverty rate before any housing costs of 39%. So two out of every five people with a disability is living in poverty before they make any payment at all. That goes up to 53.8%, so more than one in two people living with a disability. 127,000 people are living in poverty once they've made their housing costs, and that is Again, it's before they put the heat on or bought any groceries. Yeah, Sean tuned in, is listening to you and says, I totally agree with everything Colette is saying. I think people forget about the cost of housing outside of the bills, the mortgage or the rent. Sean is renting at the moment with his girlfriend an apartment in Cork City. He has had to take on a second job just to pay the rent. They're nearly paying about €2,000 in rent every month. And he said because shopping has increased and the bills, electricity and gas has gone up, uh, they have noticed this big time. His uh, girlfriend works in a job that isn't well paid, says Sean. uh, So he had to uh, take on a second job but it impacts then on his own life and the relationship with his girlfriend because now he's working every second Saturday and indeed Sunday so that just shows the, the the reality of the situation Colette where people who are working and not entitled to any subsidies or anything else from the government they are now taking on a second job just to pay the rent uh, and this again factors in everything else that's going up yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I don't know if you saw on social media, somebody had posted up um, uh, a fast food chain. They're advertising for staff and the advertisement says, do you need a second job? I mean, if that's now accepted that people need two jobs just to make ends meet, then we are in serious trouble um, and we are, are potentially facing a crisis, the likes of which we haven't seen since post-2008. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think people do. Uh, from the majority of texts coming in here, people are saying you would need a second job to survive. I think Sean sums it up there in his text. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next while. There's no reprieve at the moment in prices anyhow. Uh, for the moment, Colette, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. An interesting report that you've released. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is Colette Bennett there, Economic and Social Analyst with Social Justice Ireland on those reports. I think a lot of people would agree and you might not yourself think you're living in poverty but when you go through the breakdowns and look at what you pay out and then you see your your basic income after you pay the rent and the mortgage interest rate only alone and then if you factor in your diesel costs and everything else, how much are you left with at the end of the month? And you know, it just shows then how much disposable income you are left with and if people want to 
to go to concerts or, or something else that is going on uh, can they really go can they afford to go people make a lot more choices this year uh, than they ever did uh, and then you know you have the situation where people are saving money to go along on a holiday and they're saving and saving and then you have a situation like we had in Dublin airport whereby they don't get to go on the holiday and that much needed money uh, that they saved could have been used for something else and now they must wait for refunds to get that money back so it's it's everybody's situation is different but it just goes to show on how we are all living at the moment and how tough it is your views are welcome 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 on the way as I touched there in the airport we are going to speak with the Cork Business Association very shortly they're now calling for more flights to be diverted to Cork to ease the pressure on Dublin and also what impact does it have then on the business community if we do get more flights here will it improve business in Cork or should we always have and, and attract more flights I mean the big thing is that the DAA controls Cork Airport so they more or less are in competition uh, with Cork Airport so how do you get around that scenario as well uh, we'll discuss that next Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 big reaction yesterday on the phones and texts regarding Dublin Airport and many people say why not divert the flights to Cork well Kevin Hurley he is the president of the Cork Business Association he was one of the first ones to suggest that on Sunday and he joins me good morning to you Kevin Hi, good morning. And thanks for joining us. I mean, it does make sense to divert flights away from Dublin if they can't cope with what's happening at the moment. And we we can see they're not coping. Uh, But planning all of this, I mean, it's a time to restructure our airports so that Cork isn't maybe as quiet as some people say it is. And that we don't end up with the situations that we're seeing in Dublin or indeed having a situation whereby you have flights coming out of Cork at 6.30, people are missing a full day in the holiday destination and the reason they go to Dublin is because there's better flight times. Um, well, that's the first I've heard of that because um, I would fly out to Spain quite a bit myself and I always like, take an early morning flight from Cork. So I'm not 100% sure on that. But yeah, it was Malika now. It was an example we got of uh, Mary who was on to us and she feels that the flights are too late to certain destinations. Maybe not all, but to certain destinations only. Yeah, uh, that, that's possibly true. But I, I mean, if you're up in Cork Airport any day, there, there is an awful lot of flights going out uh, before lunchtime. But I, just going back to the original point, Dublin Airport is at, um, you know, it's at, I think it's at 90% uh, capacity on flights and it's only got 70% capacity of staff. So we in the Cork Business Association are just making this suggestion that they should look at trying to relocate or redirect some of the flights to land into Cork. Therefore, the, the, the airplanes will be there the following morning so that they can fly out of Cork to alleviate the issues that are going on in Dublin. And we're not even just saying it's, that it should be Cork Airport. We're saying it could be Shannon, it could be Farnfor, it could be, um, it could be Waterford if it's open. So that's, that's really our stand on it. And we did mention that before here in the programme and we were told that that would not be possible because the airlines have their routes planned out for the year and they would have to change airspace. I mean, is it something now they can look at considering the problems not only in Dublin, but also we see it in Manchester, in Brussels and other airports right across Europe? Well, I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we can adapt and we can change and Irish people more so, and Cork people more so than anyone else, they're very resilient. And it, it's, it's something completely different, but I was speaking to somebody else about this yesterday, and if you look at Princess Street and the, the, the outdoor dining in Cork City Centre, who would have thought four years ago that that would have happened? Cork City Council were handing out 
fine for people putting sandwich boards outside their doors. Now all of a sudden people are sitting outside eating and so on. So, you know, it's just an example of how COVID made us all think differently and think that we could change. So I just don't see any reason why the airlines and the DAA couldn't sit down and say, right, let's divert these all these flights or a certain amount of them down to different airports. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, when you mentioned Princess Street, we were one of the first areas of the country to do that. And other cities were looking towards Cork and saying, look what this city has done. Can we follow it? So we were leading by example on that. I mean, you mentioned there about diverting flights. Another reason, Aer Lingus, they haven't come back fully with their flights to Cork. I mean, is there a way that we can attract, from a business point of view, more airlines in and support the airport in Cork? Absolutely, but that's really down to the, the DAA and the, and the airport authority in Cork. I mean, um, you know, you or I can't do that. They, they're the ones that have to do it. And I would, uh, myself, I would fly uh, at least once a year to Nice. And, and that flight has been cut now since COVID. So, you know, if you want to go to Nice, which is a beautiful city in south of France, you have to now go to Dublin uh, to, to, to get out of there or else fly from Cork to Paris and get to, get to Paris to Nice. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the Aer Lingus aren't back to full capacity in Cork. Ryanair aren't back to full capacity in Cork. There's huge scope. The airport is completely underutilised. And we in the Cork Business Association just feel that if there was a little bit of outside thinking now, that they, they could certainly get more flights out of Cork. And have you, as a president of the CBA, have you approached the DAA on this and, and with your suggestions and, and your thoughts? Because you're right, the airport is being underutilised and I'm sure others, uh, such as Farron 4 and Knocker, are the same. Yeah, we have spoken to them. Um, and to be fair, they, they, they do take everyone's views on board. And their hands are tied because they're dealing with airlines and so on. But, you know... We, we just hope that they would be successful in getting more flights. Um, you know, they're quite a progressive company and there probably is a lot of red tape with, with the aviation industry, I've no doubt, but we should uh, we should certainly try and support them in in their quest to, to get more flights out of Cork. And could it be something, I know it's the DAA ultimately will have to decide with the airlines, but could you as a business group and other groups in Cork approach airlines to try and get them along work, working with the DAA and you come together collectively on this? Yeah, we could. Now, whether they'd listen to us or not, I'm not sure, but we certainly could do that. And because from a business association, I presume if Cork Airport is enhanced further, it's going to benefit the, the entire city and county. Oh, it is, absolutely. The more tourists and the more uh, flights we can get coming into Cork, then you know the better it is for the city. Um, now, the city has bounced back tremendously after COVID, uh, more so than, than Dublin. Um, I have colleagues with businesses in Dublin and they're not back to anywhere where they were before COVID. And Cork City Centre has really, really bounced back and it's great. There's plenty of uh, domestic tourism going on. There's plenty of international tourism going on. There's loads going on this weekend with the Ocean to to City uh, race. Um, you've got the marathon on this weekend. You've got Live at the Marquee. So there's, there's stuff happening all over the place and it's great to see, thankfully, after uh, after two years of lockdown. Yeah, you're right. It is great to see the city's been so busy. I mean, from the start, I suppose, of the summer season with Ed Sheeran uh, brought a huge hype to the city. You can see, especially the nighttime economy, uh, considering everything that's going on, that is really booming in Cork. It is, absolutely. The city centre is really good, and, and the suburbs as well. They're, they're all doing very, very well. And I think the general consensus from, from restaurants, uh, publicans, and indeed professional services as well, who would have suffered during COVID, they all seem to be um, uh, uh, bouncing back very well. 
Well, we'll wait and see what happens with regards to the airport and hopefully we will see more action for Cork Airport over the coming weeks. For the moment, Kevin, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Great. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. That's uh, Kevin Hurley there. He's president of the Cork Business Association and a lot of people would agree with him on his views to utilise Cork Airport more and even though initially people were saying you know you you can't just divert flights I think now with the chaos not only in Dublin but elsewhere across Europe uh, the aviation industry will be looking at just doing that. We'll have to wait and see what comes out from talks this week. It's a story uh, that will not go away over the next few days especially as we approach the June bank holiday weekend. Cork today until one and we spoke there Regarding what's happening with the Dublin Airport and calls here from Cork business leaders to divert flights to Cork Airport, well, on this and people's views, first of all, on WhatsApp, uh, somebody saying the reason people go to Dublin Airport is because the cost of the holiday flights are way cheaper than any other airport. So that's why there's a demand for Dublin. While also on text, uh, text are saying that's a very simplistic view of your guest as these routes are prearranged months in advance and with the input and dependence on tour operators and routes who wants to land into Cork Airport and then have to go back by bus to Dublin. Uh, when That's when we spoke about transferring flights and diverting them to Cork uh, that not everything can be done that way because of the fact that a lot of the flights that arrive into this country are linked up with various tour operators. So uh, another reason why it can't be as, uh, as simple as people are saying. And then Michael in Castletonbear on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Michael says uh, hi JP uh, the DAA they're not fit for purpose end of story says Michael they have 20 managers in there doing what well it seems now they'll be out on the floor Michael because everybody's going to be working this weekend in the security side of things uh, Michael says listening to an ex-security worker last night on Clare Byrne Live he shed a lot of new light on the workings that go on inside there those workers only have a 20 hour working contract and have to be available for 40 the trade union that agreed that are definitely not fit for purpose and Louise O'Reilly never highlighted that on primetime last night she only blamed the government. That ex-security worker shed a whole new light on the whole problem at Dublin Airport says Michael in Castletonbear also as he mentions Claire Byrne Live he said it's sad uh, that she's leaving that excellent show on Monday night so yes she has decided to um take time out for her family a hard uh, work doing that six days a week so she's decided now to take time out uh, for her family and uh, Michael though is saying that he believes she's lined up to take the chair in the Late Late Show in September uh, he says a genuine lady and tops to her yeah she's fantastic but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard of her taking up the Late Late Show uh, that's a new one uh, Michael I haven't heard of that uh, I'm not too sure we'll have to wait and see thank you Michael in Castletown Bear to 0862103103 staying with security at Dublin Airport Donny is a new market he said if the private security association allows every Tom, Dick and Harry to act as security staff in Dublin Airport then Donny says they are in breach of the law the Gardaí should not allow it and the army should be called in to act as security something that Ryanair wanted yesterday and uh, Donny making the point there as we did mention uh, office staff now are going to be doing security work at the weekend at Dublin airport due to the uh, crowds again that are due to arrive at the airport with Donny saying it's wrong and it should not be allowed your views are welcome 0862103103 for text or whatsapp or you can call Bernie on 0818103103 on the way after 11 we're going to hear why fishing organisations have travelled 
travelled to Brussels to review the common fishery policy and this is what they say is to save their industry. Also we're going to hear about the unveiling of the Professor Jerry O'Sullivan statue in Cora this Sunday. Of course Professor O'Sullivan was the founder of Cork Cancer Research and Breakthrough Cancer Research. A lot of your emails into us as well and calls and comments. We'll get to those after 11. And if you're an Elton John fan, I wouldn't be going far away. Let's just put it that way. We have played two hits of Elton John back to back. So now you have to text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win a place in the final draw, which will happen this Friday after two o'clock, where you and your friends could see Elton John twice in Anfield in Liverpool on June 17th to Parky Cueve in Cork in July 1st. So 0862103103 by text or WhatsApp. Experience Elton John twice with Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking. Just shopping. It's what they do best only on C103. Details of a winner, a qualifier even, on that very shortly indeed. But first, a lot of calls and comments coming in on various issues we were discussing this morning. And back to Dublin Airport. And this is what's happening with regarding staff and staffing at Dublin Airport and how more of the office staff now will be uh, within Dublin Airport acting as security uh, so that they can manage this weekend. Whether that will work or not, we'll have to wait and see. Anyhow, on this... A texter here is saying, I think at this stage, uh, to get staff into Dublin Airport, could they not get to the Dáil and take out about 100 TDs and put them to work? This texter feels in the Dáil, they are doing nothing, only eating and drinking. So would any of the TDs there go in and help out at Dublin Airport? While Morris is on Glon- in Glonthorne and uh, while everybody is saying bring in the army, uh, Morris says, yes, the army personnel, uh, if they go in, fine, but... He feels they deserve a proper wage. They have been fighting for this for some time. Uh, no agreement as yet. And he says, when there is any problem, what do we say? Call in the army. He feels this needs to be a situation that is discussed also regarding the army's wages, uh, says Morris in Glonthall. When uh, Mike says, people uh, should holiday in Ireland if at all possible. Keep our money local, not to mention the damage to the planet with all this jet fuel releasing all this carbon back into the atmosphere, resulting in global warming says Mike so many amazing locations at our doorstep like like West Cork and more uh, says Mike on text to WhatsApp 0862103103 and would you agree with Mike I mean a lot of people say it's actually cheaper to go abroad but would you agree with Mike and stay at home and stay Kate this year like many did for the last few years and keep the money local or do you feel you want to go along to the sun and maybe as some people are suggesting when we were discussing this yesterday that it's cheaper uh, to holiday abroad because of the high cost of everything in this country. Your views are welcome. A text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie on 0818103103. And this has come in from Jim. Jim is living in the Mitchellstown area. He's wondering if anybody else is having a problem like he is. And this is to do with television reception. Uh, Hi JP, is anybody else having problems receiving TV from Serview? My picture keeps breaking up, says Jim in Mitchellstown. And he's having problems with TV channels RTE1 and RTE2. Well, we checked in with Serview for you, Jim. Um, Mitchellstown has its own Serview transmitter, but there is no problems being reported from there so uh, I'm not I presume when you say you're in the Mitchellstown area that you are receiving it from uh, the transmitter in Mitchellstown as opposed to elsewhere Uh, so are others in that situation I know before maybe it wasn't for digital because Servio was operating as a digital platform Uh, if there was any high pressure uh, in the area it would interfere with TV signals but I 
don't think digital is affected by that. I could be wrong now, but I don't think it is. Uh, but are others in that situation or it could be just something uh, for Jim himself with his aerial maybe? Uh, anyhow, let us know if you're having problems with your TV service if you, you are receiving it from Serview. Jim is in Mitchellstown. And we discussed with Social Justice Ireland there earlier about poverty rates in this country and how those who rent and indeed workers I suppose we're all affected in a way when we pay our mortgage interest rate alone and we pay our rent. What have we left at the end of it then when we have to go to the shops and pay for diesel and petrol and all of that? Uh, the, the impact on our monthly salary, what are we left with? A lot of people left with very little. And on that, Mossy uh, says we allegedly live in a Christian country. So if we do live in a country that is supposed to be full of Christianity, where is the compassion from the government and the EU? Uh, our EU leaders in a time of need with high inflation and now with an increase in mortgage payments where are they where is the compassion why don't the government and those EU officials come to us in our time of need uh, says Massey uh, regarding I suppose when you saw the EU coming to us before when there was other problems wrong with this country and now uh, the fact that we have problems again and how many people do we hear from during that interview who have taken on second jobs so that they can pay their rent and even Kalesh Binish who we spoke with from Social Justice Ireland remarking on that advert from a fast food company who on the advert says do you need a second job and that is what is happening people like Sean who was uh, in contact with, with us earlier he is sharing a house or sharing an apartment with his girlfriend in the city costing them about nearly €2,000 a month and because his girlfriend's wages are not great his own wage is okay but it won't pay for uh, both their wages together doesn't meet the requirements today when you pay the rent the bills the uh, fuel and the the electricity and gas bill in particular he was pointing out he has taken up a second job at weekends so he's now working six to seven days a week Uh, and that is the reality for many people out there at the moment so they can just get by your views are welcome you can call Bernie 0818 103 103 and a lot of emails into the programme over the course of yesterday uh, this is another, another one and this is a big congratulations first of all to Seamus Sexton who's from the Bantir and Nada area and he's part of the Ireland team and that did so well in the European Bowling Championships in Germany, winning three of the four individual gold medals on offer and two bronze. So Seamus Sexton is the new men's champion of Europe. He took gold uh, that previously was held by David Murphy in each of the last three championships. Now Darren Dempsey and Rachel Kingston both bowled brilliantly to win the under-18 uh, medals, two of those, uh, while James O'Donovan and Kelly Mallon won bronze in the senior championships so because uh, Seamus Sexton won a European gold medal tonight at 8 o'clock in Bantir. They're going to celebrate with a homecoming. So if you're in Bantir tonight, 8 o'clock, a homecoming uh, for Seamus Sexton winning uh, that European gold in bowling. Well done to you, Seamus. And a letter that was sent in to us uh, during the week and this is from Anne and Anna's in the Mill Street area and she wants to know what people feel about uh, this situation and this could apply to anywhere really in Cork and says I'm writing to you in regard to the Drishan Road and other areas in Mill Street they are lovely especially at this time of the year but I have been they have been ruined by all the grass verges being sprayed and even the areas of people's 
private properties. Those verges have also been sprayed. She's not too sure who has carried out this work, but she says it's a pity because people in most cases keep outside uh, their houses or their area tidy. So I'm not too sure why this has happened. Uh, and she remarks on the, the work being done by the tidy towns every year, but she does not know who uh, did this with the spray that has destroyed and ruined, she says, the grass verges and indeed also uh, parts of people's private properties uh, being sprayed uh, by what must be some type of weed killer or something to kill the weeds but it's obviously left the the grass verges brown I presume is what you're saying and is that something that you've noticed in Mill Street and also in other areas I mean it's kind of frustrating to think that someone would spray and it would affect your private property that maybe your trees or your your own hedging could die uh, because of someone spraying something uh, like I don't know, probably poison or something more or less, I suppose, weed killer on on the grass to kill it or to kill the uh, whatever is growing, the, the briars and all of that. Um, it's an interesting one. Um, if anybody knows what's happening or who did that in that area of Mill Street, but also it's something I'm sure that's happening everywhere else. But private, private property is, is more concerning that somebody would spray something outside someone's house resulting in killing their own grass or their own hedging or whatever it is. Anyhow, and thank you for your letter. If anybody can send or shed any light on that, if you want to ever write to us, you can do so. Uh, depending on what region of Cork you are in, you can write to us at C103 Goulshill in Mallow or indeed C103 Weir Street in Bandon. Now, we did play two Elton John songs a few moments ago, didn't we not? And who could be our qualifier to go along and receive on Friday this fantastic prize? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to the phone lines, I'm told by Bernie. I'm going to Kinsale and Melissa McCarthy. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. (laughs) Well, you were quick on the ball and you realised we played two Elton John songs back to back on your WhatsApp. You even named them as well. So I presume you're a big Elton John fan. Oh, massive, yeah. Are you? Uh, have you I seen am. him before in concert? No, never. Oh, well, this will be uh, fantastic if you do qualify on Friday and win the prize because he's really good in concert. I mean, have you any favourite song by him? Um, Cold Heart. Oh, yeah? That's, That's my your... favourite, yeah. Yeah. And are you a fan of the, the Dua Lipa version so with Elton John? That, that together? That's oh, your biggest yeah. one at the moment, yeah? Yeah. And would you have gone, would you have tried to get tickets before for Elton John? He was in Cork a few times. Yeah, I would have tried, but didn't succeed. Oh, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll succeed on Friday. Let's tell you about what you're qualifying for, Melissa. Uh, so, okay. as you know, it's for Anfield in Liverpool on June 17th and then Parky Cueve in Cork on July 1st, so you could see him twice. And the prize itself is return flights from Cork Airport. I saw someone texting in... <laughs> You're on mentioning Dublin. It's not Dublin. Uh, the return flights are from Cork Airport to Liverpool. And then there's a return private airport transfer in Liverpool. You then could get two nights luxury hotel accommodation in the centre of Liverpool. And you get a daily breakfast and three course dinner and drinks on one evening. And of course, you'll be seeing Elton John then if you win the prize in Liverpool. And then when you come back to Cork, you'll head off again to Parky Cueve on July 1st. It's an amazing prize, isn't it? That would be unbelievable. Yeah, it would be indeed. I've always wanted to go to Liverpool as well. So, Well, it's a fantastic city. Um, I haven't been yeah. there. It, it is isn't my plan, but I know there's. Um, they've really done a lot tourist-wise to the city over the last few years. There's a fantastic dock there, the Albert Dock. So much on offer. So I think check that out if, if you ever were to go. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, the very best of luck to you. Thanks very much. You have qualified. Stay listening because on Friday after two o'clock, that's when the final draw will take place and we'll find out which one of our qualifiers will be heading off to Liverpool and indeed Cork to see Elton John twice.
Perfect. Thanks a million. Take care, Melissa. Uh, Melissa McCarthy there from Kinsale. She is our latest qualifier and could be seeing Elton John twice. Experience Elton John twice with Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best only on C103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. The White Horse in Ballincollig, they have their recruitment day today. It's running from 6 to 8 p.m. this evening. Full and part-time posts are available with great opportunities to train in hospitality. You can call in or email your CV to careers at whitehorse.ie. A chef is required for the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. You can email accounts at westcorkhotel.com and St. Fembers Cathedral in the city. They require a tour guide and a shop assistant. Full training will be provided and you can send your CV to supervisor at cccg.ie. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Fishing groups have travelled to Brussels this week as part of a delegation to see if they can review the common fisheries policy. Patrick Murphy, CEO of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning to Patrick. John Paul, sorry, from Brussels. You're fine, Patrick, <laughs> and you you were in Brussels this morning. Before I start, you, we were speaking there about airport queues. You were caught up in an airport queue yesterday, so Brussels, not much different than what we're seeing here at the moment out of Dublin. Well, to start off with, we did a queue of two and a half hours in Dublin airport, so much so they were outside the airport queuing up. It was madness, to be honest with you. So I just had to post in that, to be fair, to Dublin airport, that we had the same problem in Brussels, but getting into the country, not leaving. <laughs> So it was getting in was as bad as leaving for Dublin. How long in total so did it take you to get from the airport in Dublin? You were two hours waiting and then get into Brussels. I mean, how long were you waiting overall? Well, we left West Cork, myself and Claire O'Connor, and uh, she's a representative of the Sinn Féin party that organised this trip from West Cork. So we travelled up to Dublin. You imagine we left at half past 11 and we went straight into meetings, PJ. I'd say we didn't get a half an hour sleep, you know. Okay, so it's a, and, and I see a lot of people like that who've gone to Brussels this week for, for various um, meetings are in the same boat. But anyhow, the reason you were there is because you're looking at aspects of the current common uh, fisheries policy and you want to relook at these. And basically, you and other fishing groups are saying that you need to do this to save your industry. Yeah, look, we've been very kindly treated by yourself and Patricia on many occasions to, to tell the West Cork people and, and the other listeners how important our industry is and how badly we were treated under the TCA deal. So just to remind everybody of that, we lost 25% of the fish that we were catching. And as a result, there is a programme being introduced where one third of our fleet is going to be decommissioned again. So before that happens, we had a different idea and we wanted to meet with the Commission to see if it was possible to implement it. And in fairness to Podrick McLaughlin, Clare and... uh, MEP uh, Chris McManus, they made it possible to set up the meetings and intense meetings and groups from all over the country to try and look at a different way of looking at the common fishery policy. So just to put that in context, everybody gets 
a quota all the countries and it's based on scientific knowledge and data so that we don't damage the stocks and the future sustainability of the fish. So we need to keep catching fish to keep surviving. But unfortunately, we have a small share of that fish and other countries have a very, very large share. So much so that we have 15% of the 100% of the fish around our waters. And we're looking for not the other people's fish, but the fish that they're not catching so we're hoping for a loan or, or a leasing arrangement or anything innovative like that that gives us the fish in our waters that they're not catching back to us to, so we can survive. And I know there's been cuts to quotas since the negotiations between the EU and the UK as well. And that has, for some, eliminated the, their, their own mackerel and, and prawn quotas this year. Uh, yep. So with that and what you're discussing there, I mean, it is getting tougher and tougher to even enter the fishing industry, not in mind for those who are already in it. Yeah, it's a matter of survival now, to be honest, John Paul, and people can go down to the piers and they'll actually see boats tied up in fine weather and you'll be wondering what's the story. Hmm. Well, they're tied up because they don't have fish, but you don't see other nations' boats tied up alongside them like they're out fishing. And why did it allow, I mean, why did our government allow that to happen? I'll get to the tie-up scheme as well, which is something different, but why did they allow that others can come into our waters and fish and then our own Irish fishermen and women, you know, really can't go at certain times or, or can't go over quota, but others then are, are in and seemingly can do more or less from looking from the outside in, they can do what they want. They can, yeah, and and, and it is true, they can do what they want because they have the, the huge quotas to do so. So we're we're restricted that if we catch the wrong type of fish, we're accused of, of illegal fishing and catching the wrong fish. But a net is not discriminatory. It takes in the fish that are in front of it. So our fellows have to get better and better at their jobs because they have to fine-tune what they're allowed to catch. You can imagine a fellow going into a, a, a field where potatoes are, are grown and there's only a certain size of potato he's allowed to take out of the ground. So you'd be laughing at it, you know, or that if you took the small ones and or the ones that are too big, he'd be criminalised. And the fishing boats that are coming into our waters, are they outside the EU or are they other EU countries? Oh, yeah. I, I, so one, one particular country, Norway, who have increased their quotas outside of the agreement, are allowed to come into our waters where there's uh, 60% of the fish come from called blue whiting. They get 200,000 tonnes. We get 30,000 tonnes. So we have to watch these boats coming in and catching that amount of fish and our fellas then are tied to the pier for six months of the year, not allowed to, you know, and these aren't even in the European Union. So these are the arguments and suggestions, we call them suggestions, or, or negotiations that has been facilitated by the likes of Claire O'Callaghan from, from the Sinn Féin party in Westcourt to bring us to the table here, John Paul, for a first time. This is the first time under Chris McManus that we've had such... There's 20 of us, 20 from all around co-op. All the POs are represented here, you know, and everybody's under one word. And when you mention Norway I, there, Patrick, I mean, could Ireland negotiate a situation like Norway have done? We seem to be adhering to everything the EU is saying, but could we go like the Norwegians? Not really, because, you see, we're part of the club and the other eight members of the club gang up and make the decisions that don't allow us. So we don't have a veto when it comes to this. So we go in and we make an ask in the room, we ask all around the table, and the other eight go, no, 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 no. We're keeping the fish inside in your waters and uh, you'll just have to get on with what you have. So here's the suggestion. We'll give you some money. You can pay off the boats that are there, get them out of business, 
and then we'll keep continue to fish inside in your waters and we'll keep we'll keep taking fish back to our own country. And here's the worst thing, as I said, they don't even catch what they're given. So if we were given that flexibility to have that fish, we'd save a lot of our boats. So because the because Norway basically, even though it's it's not a member state, it's associated with the EU through the uh, EEA, that's the European Economic Area. That's why they can yep. do that. And it's because we're part of the EU, we have to stick whatever rules the other countries make up, we have to obey those, even though they don't suit us in Ireland. And not only that, you see other countries trade that fishing right in our waters to get uh, gratuitous inside Norway so they can go up and they can catch Norwegian herrings. But they trade the access to catch that 200,000 tons in our waters for them to get more fishing rights in Norway's waters. So, uh, it really doesn't make any sense. So, for our own fishermen and women off our own coast here in Cork, if they can only go out for certain times of the year, it would seem due to the quotas. I mean, you, they simply cannot survive. But if, if no one's going to change the rules here, uh, I mean, what's the next step? I mean, you're over there negotiating. But as you said, if the other eight don't tick the boxes and don't agree with you, then, I mean, you're back to square one. Yes, but you see, we need strong representation to, to carry that message for us because we're not the only ones here. And that's why I said the likes of Claire mm. and, and Chris McManus. But what about and, the existing MEPs that are there? Well, they're in the room. No, I actually stepped out. Mick Wallace and Claire Daly and Fairless was there. Uh, no, so I'm, I'm, I'm missing them. They'll be given out to me to talk to you. But <laughs> in fairness, uh, you're, you're more important to me, John Paul, because you get the message out to the local people to understand what's going on and they need to know us. But so we had, in fairness, we had um, Colin Markey in there last night and we had um, Barry Andrews inside there and we had apologies. I had apologies actually from Grace O'Sullivan on the phone just before the meeting. So she's travelling around Ireland, she says, and uh, she's, she's apologetic that she's not here. And I think we're meeting more MEPs. Look, we had a full itinerary. The minute we came off the plane, we into the European Parliament buildings with our bags. We started off with meetings straight away. We had meetings up until four or five o'clock yesterday. We started again this morning at 10 and we'll be going until we have to rush for our flights at four or five o'clock. But are, so with all these meetings, Patrick, are they understanding the fact that as an island nation and uh, fishing is huge, especially in the West Coast, not it is huge in the East Coast as well, in fairness, but uh, we see so many ports off the West Coast of Ireland. Uh, can they understand where you're coming from? And if they can, why are you still in meetings when, you know, are, are they agreeing anything? Are they open to change? Yes, they are up to change. And as I said, look, we have a political party, you know, that brought us over here. And different from before, um, we talked to parties in government. Well, now we're talking to a party outside of government. So hopefully if they get into government, then they will be already schooled. So there's no such thing as, Jesus, we don't understand this, lads. We're working very hard with them to make sure that the next generation of politicians understands the critical nature of protecting our indigenous people around the coastline. So there's thousands of jobs around the coastline. People mightn't see it, but we spoke about this before. Well, BIM, Bordy Skawara, did a report, and 85% of the economic activity was generated from fishing in the Bayer Peninsula. Like, you take that out, like, and that is devastation to the area for families and schools and businesses and shops. It's, 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 it won't be felt until it happens 
and then it'll be too late. Yeah, no, you're, you're dead right and it's something, as you say, it won't be felt until it happens. I mean, we, we heard that before and we saw that with the sugar industry when people were fighting for yeah. that. No, they, they want it to return and they can see what it meant to so many local areas and I think before we use the analogy, if a huge multinational decided to leave Ireland in the morning, there'd be uproar, whereas if the fishing industry collapses and leaves, you know, it could be too late, it could be two or three years, people are saying, oh, what do we do here? And as you say, it's way too late then. Uh, so uh, even though government representatives are, are there and, and, and politicians are f- from here over in the EU, uh, listening to what you're saying, it does seem no matter what we do, it's still the EU you have to convince on this because it's EU law we're more or less under. Yes, and you see, this is a critical part. No, because we are talking to everybody, one after the other over here, there's nobody can say afterwards because they didn't know what you were talking about. Mm, That's happening yeah. now, and there's a clear, succinct message coming from all of industry with solutions here, though. We're not asking for something that cannot be done. We're asking for something that a change of mind, negotiations, fairness, building into the policies of the European Common Fishery Policy, as it was written and intended from the start, can be invoked here, John Paul. But of course, we want the listeners to help us talk to their politicians at home, turn up the pressure, and say, "Look, this is right. We we want and we need to see a fishing industry around our island nation to continue for the next generation and the generation after that. We shouldn't be looking at boats with Spanish flags and Belgian flags and English flags or German flags or Belgian flags and the Irish flag. We're not we're not asking for it all. We're just asking for a little bit more." to sustain our fleet. Remember, we've lost 300 boats already by joining the EU, and we were set to lose another 60. And it's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. No, not in any industry. And I mentioned there briefly when you were talking about boats being tied up, there is the tie-up scheme, and that is all part of the fisheries policy. I mean, this is where more or less fishermen and women are are paid to have their boats tied up, which they're not really uh, one to do, but it's part of the scheme. Um... I mean, see, oh, 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 just, just, just to yeah. come in on that point, John Paul, you see, no boat wants to stay tied to the pier, and so much so yeah. they spend thousands of their earnings and also lost thousands of earnings to tell the public that very point when they went to Cork and they went to Dublin, tied up their boats, spent thousands on diesels to, to get from their home ports in to go up and peacefully show the people of this country, look, give us fish, we don't want handouts. We want this fair share of fish. We'll make our own money like we always did. So I don't want people to think like that. These fishermen are greedy and they're going to get a handout here. They're getting less than they would earn if they were fishing. But doesn't even it sound weird and wrong when I was explaining the tie-up scheme that you're asking fishermen to stay in the port, not go out and work, while then the EU are going to fund them uh, using taxpayers' money, I presume. I mean, when fishermen are openly saying that they would like to go out and and they're willing to go out and, as you say, earn more by going out to sea, but they're not allowed to do so. Exactly, because if they go out, they won't be given enough fish. There's plenty of fish out there, but they won't be allowed to catch them, so they'll have to stop fishing, fish to their quotas come in, and what they're allowed to catch won't pay the bills, won't pay the wages, won't cover the expenses. So they have no choice but to say, well, we stop this month, that will give us more fish that we didn't catch in that month to catch next month, right? And that's how we balance the book. So there's more opportunities then by stopping boats and fishing, while at the same time, other countries coming into the same fishing grounds, are not catching what they're allowed to catch. And all we're asking for is that that fish be given to the Irish boat so they don't have to tie up. Simple solution. And obviously enough, if they do that, 
they're fined, doesn't it? If they go over there, if they if they catch so many fish that that's the boast that, that they get fined, isn't that the, that's what happens? Well, fine, criminalised. They use the license. They're never allowed to go fishing anymore. Absolute. The, the penalties for for breaking the law now is is horrific because we have a penalty point system where even if you don't fill in the form, you're not allowed to go fishing because it's a fifteen thousand euro fine for not filling in the form and a five thousand for not having the documents for not finding the form. 20,000 each time that somebody comes down and inspects you. Yeah, it is. It's, it's quite remarkable when you explain it that way and what you're fighting for. For the moment, Patrick, I know you want to go back into those meetings, so I'll leave you I go do. back into them there. Uh, thank you. There's so much more we could what? go through on this, uh, but I'll let you back into the meetings there in Brussels. And thanks for joining us this morning, Patrick. John Paul, can I just... Uh, one girl here, and I want to thank her, and she yep. wants to say hello to you. Hello, John Paul. Hello, <laughs> who am I speaking Hi, to here? This is, this is Claire O'Callaghan. We're just, just letting you know that we're delighted to have been able to facilitate these meetings for the fishermen and to bring the concerns of the fishing community out here to the European Commission. And Claire, and, and you're part of, of the delegation that has gone over and, and brought these yeah, well, yeah. fishing organisations to Brussels. Just very briefly, I mean, do you think anything will change? Because this has happened before and it is an EU law we are dealing with here. It's more or less overruling any laws in our own country regarding quotas for fishing. So do you think they'll listen? Because it's not the first time that they've been brought over fishing organisations to Brussels and nothing really has come out of this. And, you know, if anything, things have got worse. Well, we're hoping that something good will come out of it. The Commission were happy to meet us. They seem to be aware, well, they told us they're aware of the hardship that Ireland is under, after Brexit especially. Mm. And they've told us that this is just the first meeting, that there's an open door now for us to meet them and for us them to come and meet us as well. Because the last time they were happy to meet fishing organisations, but no, nothing did change. Do you think Brexit has changed their option or opinion that there could be concessions on the way now due to Brexit? I mean, we would absolutely be hopeful that we can try to keep pressurising and we're asking everybody to get behind us, really, and to support the fishermen and the local communities, the coastal communities, who, as Patrick said, are so reliant on, on the social and the economic side of the um, fishing industry, you know, coastal communities are the ones that will suffer without this. Yeah, totally. And coastal communities, as we heard Patrick explain there, going through everything, they're really fighting for their lives. Anyhow, I'll let you both get back into those meetings and Claire, thank you. And thanks thanks to Patrick for chatting to us this morning um, on really fighting for the future of the fishing industry as they try try to, anyhow, review the common uh, fishery policy. Your views are welcome on that and, you know, how much the fishing industry is worth to Ireland, but also to those coastal communities 0818 103 103 lines open you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and on the way we're going to hear about the unveiling of the Professor Jerry O'Sullivan statue it's going to take place in Cora this coming Sunday Record today on C103 text or whatsapp Patricia with your comment 086 103 103 on National Cancer Survivors Day this coming Sunday a life-size statue will be revealed by a West Cork community to honour the late Professor Jerry O'Sullivan a pioneer in the field of cancer research and founder of Cork Cancer Research Centre and indeed the national charity Breakthrough Cancer Research uh, John O'Neill is PRO of the Unveiling Statue Commission he joins me uh, this morning. Good morning to you, John. 
Good morning, John Paul, and greetings from Cora. Well, good, good morning to you and uh, glad to have you on the programme this morning from Cora. I mean, Professor Jerry O'Sullivan, an amazing man, as I described there, a pioneer in the field when it came to researching of cancer. And this is taking place to honour him and indeed to honour his life and I suppose to mould a better future for people with cancer. Yes, indeed. That's the... Uh, we, we in Cora feel we were privileged really to have known Jerry as one of our own. Uh, the inscription under the uh, the sculpture to be unveiled is stating the outstanding surgeon of his generation and world-renowned authority in cancer research. And I think that sums him up in, in really and truly. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did so much uh, to ensure that people who were suffering from cancer, you know, lived longer and had a better life. And I mean, his career, it did make him leave his beloved Cora and West Cork. I mean, he travelled, uh, John, for many a time from the UK to Chicago and he even worked in Baghdad uh, for a time before indeed. returning back to Ireland indeed. and to work in Cork indeed. City. Indeed, indeed. But where, wherever he went, um, Cora was always in, in his heart and certainly uh, he wore his love for his native style and openly on his sleeve and everybody was made aware of that and we felt that it was Jerry was as we called him Jerry locally he was one of a, of a century really and that we should honour him in some way you know and um, the park certainly is developing and it came into its own I think in the Covid days and weeks and months as, and years as it has transpired and was being used by a number of people and I think they got a tremendous benefit for it. And, and this course, is the recreational park, the theme park uh, within Cora, yes, isn't it? How did yes, this come indeed. about, by the way? Well, a group, a local group got together and said, and again, as I just mentioned, that, you know, we had to do something to, to honour this unique Cora person and obviously a number of a number of suggestions came and went, but a local family, the Kirby family, came along and donated uh, a four-acre plot, and development commenced on that in April um, 2014. It is an ongoing project. Uh, the theme is science through nature. We are incorporating in it, obviously, areas for... Our pollinators. Uh, we, for instance, on Sunday now we will we will have one of our local beekeepers, and uh, he will he will have a showcase beehive um, in the park, illustrating again to our concern the the, the importance of uh, our pollinators, and um, also we are developing team gardens, uh, for instance. One of them is the Grand Garden, and Jerry went to National School in Grand, and uh, that's native species. Other gardens will be such as the De La Salle Garden. He went to De La Salle in Skibreen, St. Fox's De La Salle, and a number of other gardens, UCC gardens, and a number of other gardens in the course of development with the theme of showing the the um, the comparison, we say, or the dependence on, on, of science and nature. The, the interplay of both. 
Yeah, and so important that is uh, these days when it comes to biodiversity. So that, that would be well welcomed by so many uh, across the region. And then tell us why and how he came up with honouring Professor O'Sullivan then with this statue. Well, we felt we should keep his memory alive in Cora. And also, I think, as, as a focal point for the necessity of ongoing research, be it into cancer, and all the other and all the other diseases, etc. That the and um, that will be there for generations to come. The uh, and equally, we are very pleased. We on on Sunday next that we will have Professor Luke O'Neill as the keynote keynote speaker, and also of course we have the Mayor of Cork, and we will have classmates from Jerry from his secondary school days and his university days. And the statue is this this will be within the, the park you mentioned there, will it? Yes, it's it's within the park and um it is um, a creation of the artist Don Cronin and it was done in collaboration with the O'Sullivan family and they are very, very pleased with the result and uh, we're very much looking forward to it that the and we are hoping that as many people as possible would would come to us. And I would like to take this opportunity to say to anybody who is travelling and they may not be sure where Cora is, we're on the R five nine four, and the air code to get you there would be P four seven P two eight five. It is the air code of the filling station across the road. Um, from the park both uh, and there will be ample parking and and a number of stewards available uh, so we are looking forward to a day that we can celebrate the the achievements and the life of this wonderful car man um, and hopefully as I say that we will have uh, a large attendance to share to the day with us well, hopefully you will. And as I can see by text here, there's a lot of people who have respect uh, for Professor Jerry O'Sullivan. And on Sunday, it's starting, isn't it, John, from 1.30 is when it all starts. Public, open to the public at 1.30. And the actual event itself will start at 2 o'clock, both in between from 1.30 on uh, the St. Fox and Silver Band from Skibreen will be there to entertain the, the early comers. And the event will start at, at 2 p.m. sharp. Well, the very best of luck to you, John, and everybody involved there. Wish this on Sunday to remember Professor Jerry O'Sullivan. I can hear it in your voice, and indeed the entire community of Cora very proud of what he has achieved over his years in relation to cancer research. So, the best of luck to you all there on Sunday. We are indeed, and, and thank you, and to all in C103 for all your help. Thank no you problem. Much. Thank you very much, John. John O'Neill there, who's PRO of the Unveiling Statute Committee within uh, Cora, and indeed that, as he said, is taking place on Sunday at one thirty, and as I mentioned uh, the late Professor Jerry O'Sullivan a number of people have been in contact to say first of all hi JP yes he was a brilliant man he saved my life 30 years ago and a similar text from Anne who says he was just fantastic he noticed something what was wrong with me a number of years ago when I was in in a consultation he picked up on a secondary uh, type of cancer uh, thankfully I would say he saved my life and I am here today uh, and only for the likes of him and others at the time I wonder where I would be he was 
was really passionate about researching into the illness says and and another texture here this is John who says he knew Professor Jerry O'Sullivan he never forgot his roots in West Cork and never working in a busy time in the Mercy he would always say at least on whatever day he had off he would head down west again to his beloved Cora and uh, so many people are saying including John here that uh, they were at uh, his funeral and his daughter Orla her eulogy she described him as an extraordinary ordinary man and that's exactly a very fitting tribute to him uh, the late Professor Jerry O'Sullivan and uh, best of luck to everybody there in Cora this coming Sunday 1.30 unveiling the memorial statue in the park there in Cora but it's JP until 1 on Cork today while Bernie takes your comments on 0818 103 103 if there's something you want to raise in the programme or comment on what we're discussing you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we spoke earlier just after 11 o'clock and this was to the fishing organisation uh, it was the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation Patrick Murphy joined us there in Brussels because they want to review the common fishery policy because they say it needs to be done so that industry can survive while John is in Cove and he says on the fisheries is it not the same when it comes to the farmers Irish farmers who were being paid not to grow anything in their fields and that is why our food is now being imported and I suppose why we are seeing delays as well when it comes to certain types of food in this country so we have farmers who want to grow are not allowed to do so are being paid not to grow and then we have our fishing fleets which are also being paid to remain tied up at our ports says John who was in Cove and on the Dublin Airport Authority and what is happening out of Dublin Airport Margaret is in Dumanway and she says does security do they do the same checks on people coming into Dublin Airport as they do when you are leaving well uh, they do carry out minor checks but the checks leaving uh, there is more done because usually when you're coming into Dublin you will have been checked on the other side so whatever airport you're flying out of uh, they will have checked you there so when you're coming in then it's usually uh, a passport check uh, and that type of thing it would not be as severe as it is as you're leaving to fly out of the country and on that Jim says hi John Paul it's all good tweet saying on the what's happening obviously in Dublin uh, the tweet he saw said we can get out of the country that should be a we can't get out of the country uh, due to the chaos at Dublin airport we can't staycate because it's so expensive and can't buy a home here in Ireland as it's so expensive to buy and to rent it sums up really what is happening in this country and Jim also adds that it wasn't the chaos outside the stadium uh, for the Champions League final at first two and it looks like UEFA and the stewards and indeed the French police have a lot of questions to answer indeed Jim uh, very sad scenes especially of young supporters of Liverpool outside with their brothers or, or older brothers that is or uh, fathers or whoever brought them over and to see them rubbing their eyes because of the tear gas that was being sprayed outside the stadium they all had tickets but they could not get in due to the crowds and uh, the French police are blaming and what they say is false tickets and I mean if there were fine but there was people who had legitimate tickets that could not get near the stadium and were trying to get in and then just chaos broke out so yeah that was very badly handled uh, by the, the French police and indeed those in UEFA who should have I suppose looked at the matter if there was so many false tickets that they, if they knew that was going to be the case uh, then they should have looked at the matter and, and dealt with that before it all got out of control as it did with the French police anyhow Jim thank you for your attention 
text to 0862103103. And so we had a text earlier from, I think it was Jim in Mitchellstown. He had problems with his Serview reception. And we did a lot of calls and texts from people who were in a similar situation. Uh, some people in the know. First of all, Christine is in Blarney. And like you, Jim, she has the same problem with regard to Serview. They changed their aerial in their home, but it made no difference. She says RTE 1 and 2 are very unreliable, but the Virgin Media channels, they work fine. And Sky News is perfect, but it's just the RTE channels are unreliable when it comes to reception on television. And then Mary says, hi, JP. Yes, I have had problems with my Serview from time to time. Usually, again, it's RTE2, uh, the Virgin Channels, or a TG Carher breaking up for Mary. So she called into an electrical shop and they said maybe the box needs updating and retuning. So that could be an option for Jim, says Mary. While Donna has done that, she goes, I had a similar problem. I retuned my box to more or less reset it. But since then, the... TV channels, all of them are working fine. So maybe try that as an option. And then someone in the nose says, Hi JP, yes, there is work going on with the Mitchellstown Serview mast at the moment. I have a new dish fitted and I turned out to be a waste of time as ongoing work at the moment to the mast in Cork is affecting that mast in Mitchellstown. So that could be one of the reasons why the channels are not clear at the moment for a gym in Mitchellstown. So hopefully that helps uh, people out there who were looking to wonder, wondering why their Serview wasn't operating properly. This is when it comes to the channels. Uh, well, in particular, for, for Mitchellstown, it was the RTE channels, TV channels, that is. Uh, but it seems there is work going on uh, at from someone who was in the know at the mast in Mitchellstown. And that is why it is breaking up at the moment TV-wise. I presume they will fix that at some stage. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can call Bernie on 0818103103. Now, I spoke earlier regarding the late Professor Jerry O'Sullivan and a statue being unveiled in Cora this coming Sunday. Uh, on that, a lot of people remembering the late Professor O'Sullivan. We uh, had a number of comments in before midday. Just some more of them here. First of all, this is Tom who was in Bantry uh, Tom says, I knew Jerry O'Sullivan very well. He was a lovely man and used to work all hours and put his patients first. And when you're speaking of statues, Tom says he feels there should be a plaque to the Quakers put at Lidl in Bantry uh, because they ran a soup house during the famine out of that location. So uh, when you're looking at where statues and plaques should be placed, he feels they should be remembered for the work they did in Bantry. And Joan is in Formoy and she says, Jerry O'Sullivan was a great man. He did a 12-hour surgery on a lady she knew from Fermoy and that lady is still living on 22 years later and uh, yeah I mean there was so much work he did and he was a pioneer in looking towards the research of cancer and it was him that in the end was the founder of Cork Cancer Research and also on a national scale then uh, the Breakthrough Cancer Research so he did so much work and the reason he was doing all this work was for anybody who was suffering from cancer to prolong their life and that they would have a quality of life and that they could live uh, with cancer and so many people out of the research from both of Cork Cancer Research and indeed Breakthrough Cancer Research people are living uh, with cancer and having successful lives and getting on with their lives and you know they might have to take a tablet every day but they can still have a life that would have been a lot different 20 or 30 years ago thank you to those who are commenting you can uh, text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 
And on the issue of food, and this is something we're going to discuss in more detail tomorrow on the programme. And I was looking earlier at comparisons to food, and this was both in, in Irish papers and indeed in UK papers. And an example is uh, on basic foods such as pasta and crisps and bread. They've all gone up from, for example, pasta and bread have gone up over 40% and crisps have gone up over 70%. Orange juice has gone up over 50% and biscuits have gone up as well a good bit so uh, you, roughly you're seeing an extra uh, 50 cents on a lot of items and John on text uh, wants to raise that issue he says our country is just gone to the pot uh, first of all John says I think we were better off in Covid lockdown at least then we could afford food and petrol was cheaper when we only had to travel travel within the 5k uh, says John on text well yeah, well, you are right John and no one would disagree with you on the fact that things are on the increase they are as I mentioned they're uh, comparing uh, between the UK and Ireland, uh, both countries, we are seeing an, an increase and the increase isn't that different. I mean, that whatever is increasing here is increasing similarly in the UK. And there's comparisons in a lot of the papers this morning on that. But because of that, we are going to speak tomorrow morning uh, after 10 o'clock with Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association because they, over the last 20 to 30 years, have been looking at inflation in this country, have been looking at food prices increasing. They monitor that every year. But they've also been looking at the price increasing and what's in the packet decreasing. So they call it shrinkflation. So while we're paying, paying more uh, for our, for example, pasta or bread or business, Biscuits, what's contained in that packet is less than it would have been maybe even only 10 years ago. Anyhow, Dermot Jewell will join us tomorrow morning on the show and we'll go into that in more detail. Now, are you somebody that worries a lot? And are you someone that maybe are afraid of change because you're looking at the future and if you do change something in your life, you worry how that will affect you or do you just worry about everything? Well, it's something we're going to discuss very shortly with our regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan. We're going to see and discuss this week how worrying affects your body and indeed the impact it has on your health uh, that's to come very shortly The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie and Mallow Min Sheds today will meet every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday afternoon from 2 to 5 at the rear of the Lakela Family Centre. They also meet on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 and new members are very welcome. You can choose any day that suits you. Bingo's going ahead tonight in Shambani Moore in the Community Hall in Shambani Moore at 8 o'clock. The jackpot is €2,000 in 45 calls or less and everybody is welcome. And Amcara will hold their face-to-face meeting in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Spring that's going ahead tomorrow night at quarter past seven. All bereaved parents are welcome to this free event regardless of circumstances of death or the age of the child. You can register uh, and that is not required. You can just turn up on the night. Now you don't have to register. You can just turn up and if you want further information or any information on the support from Anam Cara, you can email info at anamcara.ie and Shambali Moore's Golden Hour Coffee Mornings. They continue this coming Wednesday and that will run tomorrow morning from 10.30 to 11am in Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103
And earlier when I was mentioning to the fishing organisations and the changes that they were discussing regarding how they can't fish or can't fish so much in our own waters and you have others then coming into our waters, other countries, and, and they're able to fish and take the fish stocks out of the Irish waters. Well, on that, Burr is saying, JP, our government are more interested in following the globalists and the World Economic Forum, giving away our sovereignty and indeed our freedoms. They seem not to care about us anymore. Burr feels we all need to wake up and see what is happening I suppose and that's in the back of when you uh, realise there is countries coming in fishing in and the waters here in Ireland outside of the EU while Irish fishing boats are unable to fish or if they do they have to meet certain quotas while those outside the EU do not have to and that's the uh, the, the one aspect of being within the EU and uh, one of the downfalls I suppose when it comes to the fishing industry and that's what they are doing today in Brussels they're trying to negotiate a better uh, payment for them when it comes to the fishery policy anyhow we'll wait and see if anything comes out of that they've tried it before and there hasn't been much change we'll see what happens this time if people get an understanding indeed of how the whole industry works but it is mad as Bernie even points out that you can you know have those from other countries in our Irish waters and they can take as many fish as they want uh, while where our own Irish fleet can't do that anyhow uh, thank you for your text 0862103103 now something totally different uh, first of all if you drink coffee uh, this could be of interest. We always hear the scientific facts when it comes to certain foods we eat. Well, uh, this I spotted this morning in the Times London edition and it's how coffee drinkers, well, if you have a shot of coffee, similarly, you may live longer because a moderate coffee habit could cut the risk of early death by up to 31%. Research using data on more than 171,000 people found those enjoying a couple cups of coffee per day lived longer than non-drinkers. The apparent health benefits were present whether or not the drinks were sweetened with sugar and this is from a team at the Southern Medical University in China and they set out to confirm earlier studies that have linked coffee consumption to better health and they found that a moderate coffee habit defined as drinking one and a half to three and a half of coffee cups per day and this was all linked to lower risk of dying from any causes. So uh, they discovered that there was a lower risk of dying from cancer or heart disease. Uh, chemical compounds found in coffee then are understood to have a variety of effects likely though to boost your health including reducing inflammation, boosting your metabolism and improving insulin sensitivity. So all of that together basically is supposed to anyhow have you living longer so for those of you who are having the cups of coffee maybe at work or at home and you're going on your third cup of coffee and a lot of people do try and reduce coffee intake because we're always told too much coffee is not good for you we always had the days where we've all had a, a busy day or a bad night's sleep and you might have four or five or six cups of coffee and you think that's going to be bad well anyway if you drink one to three cups of coffee you could live longer that research coming out there from China and something else that I think a lot of people will be fascinated by this has been put together by the lover of geography Twitter account and it's gone viral they tweeted this and they're highlighting European countries that are most least to offer a guest some food when they arrive at your home so if someone calls to you and they just arrive on I mean do you make them a cup of tea do you give them a few biscuits or a slice of cake or do you offer them some more food well 
you would think here in Ireland we're good at that, but we're not top of the list when it comes to other European countries. It's uh, looking at the cultures of uh, different countries. And this map is ranking uh, countries who basically are least likely to offer you grub when you appear as a guest to their home. Uh, so they have a colour coded. And when it comes to the best countries, the likes of Portugal and Spain, uh, the Italians are excellent. Uh, Greeks, they're very good. They will always give you something give you food when you arrive as a guest to someone's house and you would have thought that okay uh, Ireland would do so um, well yeah we do but we're not top of the list believe it or not uh, but still we are usually yes that's what we are we're known as we're usually yes likely uh, to give you food uh, also our neighbours in Scotland they're very like us and French a part of France uh, not all those south of France more so than the north of France for some reason I don't know why uh, but the south of France are a bit like us you'll usually get food if you visit someone's house and parts of Poland as well are included so we're all grouped together and then the countries who are unlikely to give you food uh, they would be the northern part of France. I'd love to know why France is split in two, but it is uh, the northern part of France. They won't be uh, giving you much food if you arrive as a guest. And England and Wales also, if you arrive as a guest, you're unlikely to get food there. And then the countries who you will never get anything off if you arrive on their doorstep, you won't even get a crumb. Uh, well, don't go to the Netherlands so, or Sweden or Norway or even Finland. All those countries, if you arrive as a guest, more than likely you won't get any food. But uh, almost always you will get food if you arrive in Portugal, Spain, Italians, they top the list along with the Greeks. Uh, but if you thought that our culture here in Ireland, when you call to someone's house and you get the grub or even just a slice of cake, well, no, we're second on the list and we're joined with Scotland and the south of France and a few more countries around that neck of the woods. Anyhow, your views are welcome. I mean, if you go to someone's house, usually if you're calling as the guest, you'd bring something. If I call to anybody, you'd just bring a, a packet of biscuits or, or something anyhow. Is that still done? or is it only a limited amount of people do that that if you're uh, calling to even your own brothers, sisters, friends, cousins whatever that you bring some item with you it could be just a small cake but it's just to acknowledge that you're not coming empty handed as they say uh, let us know it's something we might pick up on uh, the show but if you uh, do think that Ireland tops the list for being good when we have guests arriving. No, we're only seconds uh, when it comes to that, along with a, a number of other countries. Interesting map that is doing the rounds at the moment. It's running viral on Twitter. Uh, our lines are open. Your views are welcome. 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the way though, if you are someone that worries a lot, well, this is for you because we're going to hear how worrying can affect your body and indeed impact on your health. Our regular counsellor, Joe Heffernan, joins us next. We want to go now to our regular councillor Joe Heffin as we always do at this time on a Tuesday afternoon to you Joe Good afternoon indeed JP um, you couldn't get through on my landline I can't get internet I can make a call I don't really know what's going on Oh so something must be down somewhere <laughs> around yeah, around yeah. your neck of the woods so well you're sounding loud and clear whatever line you're on there and else <laughs> okay. we'll stick with us but there could be a problem there is a lot of problems today in various areas to do with technology so that, that could be playing a part anyhow oh, we right. we will continue on as, as you are on a, a good line there now I'm yeah. going to pick up from yeah. what we discussed last week Joe and this yeah. is something that a lot of people unfortunately do worry and they you know it's very hard not to worry about certain things but this is looking on how worrying affects your body and I suppose can impact on your health, Joe, uh, be that, you know, physical or mental health. 
Indeed it can. Um, just for two seconds, let me say, in the post uh, yesterday morning, um, I got an anonymous um, letter with 100 euro, 250s in it for the Air Ambulance Fund. So thank you to that anonymous oh, well donor. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Going to a good cause. Well, now, on, on the worry issue, I mean, I suppose, like, things that we worry about, you know, our work, um, maybe being a new parent, uh, moving house, um, uh, as you would have covered very well in your programmes there, um, you know, the the rising cost of living, the rising cost of renting. um, You know, life has become quite stressful. And... um, Okay, so that would naturally um, lead to worry. Now, the thing is, I suppose we should try very hard to differentiate between things that we do have control over. So worry there could be kind of even um, a positive thing because, um, you know, uh, if if we worry a bit about something that we've control over, well, then we can, we can solve it. We can we can do whatever needs to be done, but things that we have no control over, like um, say um, other people or the past, um, uh, you know, we can get ourselves, as you so correctly pointed out, into even bad health um, from worry about things that we cannot solve ourselves. It can lead to feeling exhausted all the time because, um, you know, the quality of sleep might not be great. And would this be, Um, Joe, when you mention sleep, people overthinking things as they go into bed, they try and go to sleep, but their mind starts racing about one problem or thinking about someone who might be going through a tough time. And then they're worried about that person or their own circumstance and they can't get to sleep. Their mind just keeps racing and racing and racing around all night. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even when there is sleep, then it can be fitful and it can be full of what we'll call anxiety type dreams. Now, they mightn't be focused in on the thing that one is worried about. Um, It might be like climbing a cliff and barely hanging on to rocks or something. Or it can be, um, you know, being chased by a tiger. Um, It can be anything like that, but it's an anxiety dream. Um, and then that um, that sleep wouldn't be what we would call a deep, um, nourishing sleep, JP. Yeah, and, then, and that can lead to difficulties then as you go on for your next stage or with yeah, work or whatever, because a lack of sleep will bring its own problems. You know, you'll have difficulty in concentrating and just difficulty performing for the next day, won't you? Absolutely, absolutely, especially the concentrating, you know. Um, no, I, I mean, uh, at my age now, I'll be 76 very near our next Tuesday. But, um, uh, yeah, things can get a little bit um, uh, not as on the ball as they used to be. But um, if one isn't getting a fairly decent sleep, uh, concentration can go. Then as well, there can be, you know, uh, stressful signs like... Um, uh, the old heart beating a bit quicker, um, the hands being a bit shaky, a bit trembly, uh, the tummy can be upset. Um, uh, one can find that they're b- being a bit sweaty. 
um, and generally feeling restless, feeling tense, and and uh, you know that little bit off uh, off color. Um, uh, and as I say, like I mean, the things we can control and to worry about them a bit that can actually be healthy. That would be like we'll say a useful stress, but um, uh, worrying and worrying about the past. I suppose, like, I wouldn't be a contributor to the song, No no, Regrets. Um, I suppose we all maybe have regrets. Um, uh, But, you know, constantly worrying about what we could have done differently, what we should have done differently, and all that, it's really just, um, uh, it's not helpful for us. At yeah. all. Hindsight is a great thing, but when you're in Absolutely. the moment and in time, it's entirely different. And Joe, on people and how they worry, I mean, we were discussing this morning here uh, before we came on air on who would be a worrier and who would not be a worrier. And there was a few people who say, yeah, they're big worriers, they, they would worry over everything. And others have said when they were younger, they might have, but now th- they don't worry as much over anything and, and they just get on with life. I mean, is there a certain person that will worry more than others or do you or can you grow out of it? I suppose that, um, yeah, some people, and uh, I, I would include myself, I think, um, would be um, uh, a warrior. Um, now, peculiarly, I'd be the, yeah, the other way around. When I was younger, um, much, much younger, um, I kind of didn't worry much. Um, you know, I was busy and getting on with life and doing this and doing that. But I found, uh, I find as I get older, that I worry um, that bit more. So what do I find helpful and what might somebody find helpful? Well, um, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but trying to live in the moment, trying to live in the day, I I find helps. That, um, you know, uh, the word mindfulness is bandied around now quite a lot, and rightly so. But um, what does it mean? Basically, it means being aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. That, um, you know, that you're not on autopilot, that you're not just um, going through the motions bodily, but that your mind is absolutely elsewhere and maybe into the old worry mode. So to just concentrate on being where you actually are, um, you know, that if you're walking, um, I, I I found I was doing mindful walking before the name mindful walking ever happened. I used to walk along and I'd be saying, you know, the road is grey, my shoes are brown, the um, the ditch is green, etc., um, etc. Et and trying to kind of lock in to being where I actually was. Um Rather than walking along and, um, you know, back to that word we used a few weeks ago, ruminating on this and that and the other thing, um, uh, you know. And uh, in the same mode then, um, the, the deep breathing that we often talk about, to actually concentrate on breathing. Um, some people like to do kind of guided meditations. Some people uh, like to just um, uh, concentrate on their own breathing. And um, to be aware 
um, of uh, one's body. For example, if you check your shoulders and if you find that they're up, as we'll say, around your ears, well then, I suppose the words, uh, the phrase up tight didn't fall out of the sky. So like to concentrate on bringing the shoulders down and that relaxes the body. And as we often, often say, if you can relax your body, your mind will follow. That um, that relaxing the body is the way to find the relaxed mind. Um, uh, a phrase I might use would be that you can't think yourself into good living, but you can live yourself into good thinking. So that, like, um, relax the body, the mind will follow. And another thing we all need to do, um, I find, as life goes on, JP, we need to practice a little self-compassion. We need to forgive ourselves. Like, I was saying there now a while ago, um, certain things that one would feel they could have done better. Okay, but look, it's done, it's passed, and it's time for a little self-compassion. Um, I'd often say to a person who would be fretting about um, or worrying about, or worse still, blaming themselves for this or that. And I might say, if that was a friend, a good friend of yours now, telling you exactly that, what would you say to them? And invariably, JP, they say something quite kind, compassionate, uh, empathic, rather than maybe the language that they're using um, on themselves. Like, you you know, yeah, you were an idiot to do that or something like that. It might be good too to share your fears or talk to friends or family if something is really troubling you and worrying you and it is maybe, as we spoke earlier, about impacting on your sleep. Absolutely. 110%. That, um, you know, we, we all hopefully have... Um, people in our lives that we trust and um, where you know that it isn't going to be um, the subject of any kind of gossipy, rumoury kind of thing, someone that you trust to share uh, one's uh, concerns and to say, you know, I found the other day I was really worried about whatever A, B or C and, um, you know, I suppose that old uh, cliche too back along would have been a trouble shared is a trouble halved. And um, uh, that can uh, that can be helpful too. In fact, um, some people that might come to uh, counselling, um, uh, you know, they just need to share about stuff that is uh, troubling them. They don't expect magic answers. Um they don't expect that the uh, uh, counsellor in uh, question, whoever, um, is going to solve the problem. But they need to kind of um, share the problem. Sometimes they need to vent a little bit of anger um, and that, and they want to do it in a very safe, confidential environment, as I say, where it doesn't get, um, uh, you know, uh, related uh, to to uh, uh, casually to uh, other people. 
Yeah, true. So, and yeah. as you mentioned that, there are actually a few texts on that, Joe. First of all, Mike is in Bantry. He goes, hi, Joe. In Grow Mental Health, we are told at night, before you go to sleep, don't be swishing and turning in bed. Stay still and don't be thinking, says Mike. While Shirley agrees about talking to other people, she said, I had a problem. I kept it to myself for over a month. It wasn't a major problem, but it was just hassling me. And one day on a drive with a friend, I just spoke about it and they offered advice. And the next thing that night I slept solid I even looked better so if you can and trust someone share your problem it will lessen the worries of you so there's two examples there that have worked for both Mike uh, there in Bantry and Shirley as well yeah absolutely and with Mike there from Bantry like um, I, I would totally agree that uh, I, I often practice that breathing um, about going to sleep and um, it can be as simple as I'm breathing in to the tummy I'm breathing in I'm holding and then I'm breathing out and with the breathing out I let the shoulders come down and um, I, I just uh, you know I suppose it's another substitute for counting sheep or whatever yeah, yeah, uh, we used to hear about you know yeah, um, so that can be of huge help um, uh, and another thing that one would hear about a lot would be to practice a little gratitude. To just think, I'm in a warm bed. Please God, I am. I'm in a warm bed. Um, I had a nice meal today. Um, you know, uh, the things that we take so much for granted. Um, to just practice a little gratitude. Um, I, I remember uh, 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 philosophy uh, being expounded uh, very often was, um, think of three things that you are grateful for. And um, most of us, thank God, most of us can find three things that we are grateful for without, um, uh, without an awful lot of, um, of pondering about it, you know. Yeah, true, um, Joe, true. And uh, one more here from Irene who says, you touched on the walking. Also, I find watching my favourite TV show, even if I've seen it already, uh, can always calm me uh, if I'm going through a very worrying time. We have to leave it there, Joe, but thank you. A lot of people uh, delighted with the advice you've been giving there on worrying because people have to, unfortunately, worry about something at some stage or another. So thanks for joining us, Joe. And we'll chat to you next week and a pre-happy birthday to you for next Tuesday. <laughs> okay, take thank care. You, Joe Heffin in there, an accredited counsellor based in Boherbui. You can contact him on 086 834 8145. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be hearing how prices are going to continue to increase. Dermot Jewel will be joining us on a lot more. That's tomorrow from 10. Have a good Tuesday afternoon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.